Hello, I'm Emily Hawthorne, a Middle East and North Africa analyst at Stratfor, a RAIN company. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, RAIN's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analyses. Sign up for the free Stratfor newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to the Stratfor Essential Geopolitics podcast from RAIN. I'm Emily Donahue. Two leaders in sub-Saharan Africa have died in recent weeks. Chad's president, Idris Deby, and Tanzania president, John Magafuli. Stratfor senior global analyst at RAIN, Matthew Bay, is here to provide guidance. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you, Emily. It's good to have you here. Let's talk about the impact of both of these leaders' deaths. First, Chad. President Deby was killed while visiting the front lines of the conflict of a rebel group. Can you tell me a little bit about the status of that conflict? Yes. So the rebel group that had um, launched an offensive on Chad about, uh, well, basically concurrent with the um, April 14th elections that Chad was holding, where President uh, President Deby was reelected before, before his death, um, they were able to make uh, gains to about 150 miles or so from the capital of Njenema, um, before they were met by the, the military, and the military was able to basically stop any kind of an advance towards the capital, um, that's when Debbie went to went to visit the, the front lines and was killed, and we don't know exactly the circumstances around his death. Um, but since then, the rebels have been saying that they are, they are willing to restart the offensive on the capital. A couple of other rebel groups have also said that they will join the fight, or at least are expressing support for the current uh, fight, although we haven't seen... Um, any evidence that they've been able to make more progress toward, towards the capital. Now, one of the things that we'll be watching for moving forward is exactly how the transitional government that's been formed um, will operate. The transitional government isn't going through what you would call the normal uh, constitutional process. The, the presidency should have gone to the Speaker of the Assembly. Um, however, the Speaker of the Assembly basically said that this is a security crisis, therefore I'm okay with the idea of the formation of a transitional military council, which is actually being headed now by uh, one of Debbie's sons. I mean, he's the de facto president of the country now, although that has, in recent days, um, sparked protests against the government over uh, concerns about not actually following through with the constitutional process and having calls for a more of a negotiated uh, national dialogue, which is what the rebels have been calling for, which has up until now been rejected by the, by the transitional government. Matthew, so how are regional countries and foreign backers, I guess France we should be watching, how are they reacting? So thus far, some of them have put out vague statements um, for the Chadian government to to respect the, de the democratic process. The United States, for example, has done that, as has um, various regional bodies like the African Union. Um, France, on the other hand, has given its full level of support to the current uh, transitional process. President Macron, in fact, um, visited Chad to, to attend Debbie's funeral, where he basically said that if, uh, if Chad was threatened by the rebels, France would step in to, to protect Chad. Um, and, they, and, and French officials have since said, basically, that given the situation on the ground in the country, um, a transitional process like this is something that is um, needed for stability. So France is clearly backing the situation. Of course, as protests mount, it is very possible that we will see France at least uh, look at ways to try to convince the transitional government to at least have some sort of a of a military civilian type power sharing arrangement, which is what we've seen in a similar country in 
in Mali, where, where France also has the similar security interests where it does want stability more than anything else. Um, but right now, um, France is giving its full support to the, to the transitional government. Matthew, what are some of the implications for regional counterterrorism fights in this regard? Right. So Chad has been one of the reasons why, why France is backing the Chadian government so much is that Chad has this history of being um, very active in the region through counterterrorism operations in, coordinate, in coordination with France. Um, for example, when Macron announced a, uh, a continuation of the French intervention in the Sahel um, in February, when it was speculated that he might be announcing a drawdown, a drawdown he never did announce, of course, um, Chad said that they would actually surge and increase their, their commitments to the deployment by 1,200. Now, some of those troops have, according to local press or uh, local social media accounts, have returned home to deal with the, the crisis in Chad itself. And if we see um, Chad being forced to redistribute some of its military personnel back to its own border to deal with its own domestic crisis, that means they're not engaged in, say, the counterterrorism operations in, say, um, Mali or Niger or Burkina Faso, which means that France and other countries that are involved there will have to be more active. And if France has to step in in, in Chad itself, it also means that France's military attention will also have to be diverted to Chad, uh, which then diverts their attention away from some of the jihadist groups in Mali and elsewhere. Turning to Tanzania now, Matthew, the new president, Hassan, has been in office about a month. How is that going for her? Well, so she's taking over from um, President John Magafuli, who was nicknamed the bulldozer for his very brandish style of being aggressive um, and protecting Tanzania's interest in a nationalist way um, that was disrupting relations with, say, the United States, the West more broadly, foreign investors, etc., um, President Samia uh, Suluhu Hassan, she's taken some steps to try to distance um, herself from that kind of a, of a strategy. She, for example, almost immediately um, ordered uh, ordered some of the ministries that are related to foreign investment, so like the energy ministry, to restart negotiations with some foreign investors in order to try to um, break down some of the barriers. She's also um, looked at ways to try to increase some of the freedom of the press. And she's also um, set up a coronavirus um Task force. Magafuli was famous for basically rejecting the the existence of, of COVID nineteen in Tanzania. Tanzania officially hasn't reported any new statistics around that um, since uh, June of last year, and it's likely that they do have a very significant domestic crisis ongoing right now. And it's possible that even John Magafuli um, himself may have actually had coronavirus, and that could have actually been what caused his death. Of course, Tanzania officials aren't aren't, aren't really commenting on that. Hmm. The point being is that she has taken a number of steps to try to distance her, herself, at least initially, um, from Magofuli uh, in his kind of brandish style. Now, of course, she's a product of the system in, in Tanzania. It's essentially a, a state where the ruling CCM has almost complete control over the political environment. She's not really in a position to really change that balance of power or really has no interest in doing that. But she does have a, appear to have an interest in at least um, improving uh, Tanzania's relationships internationally and also uh, more broadly, looking at ways to actually combat uh, COVID-19 domestically as it is becoming a concern. Well, given those situations, do we expect her to be successful in boosting the international relations as well as with investors? It's going to be a very multi-step process. I mean, a lot of the damage has been done over the last six years just, um, since Magafuli was first elected in 2015. Um, but I do think she can make some progress. She has taken steps in, in, in the domestic government to marginalize some of Magafuli's supporters that were calling for more of a continuation of his hardline policies. Um, but when it comes to, you know, completely breaking down 
all of the changes that we've seen over the last five years, including, for example, the enactment of a lot of different kind of regulations around investment, a lot of regulations around free press, etc. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. I think she might have an intent to distance herself from those kinds of policies. But I think when it comes to any implementation of those, the, the shift in the overall top leadership opinion on what needs to go on in Tanzania, the steps of getting there will take time. Matthew Bay is Stratfor Senior Global Analyst at Rain. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. The Essential Geopolitics podcast is powered by Stratfor Worldview from Rain, the world's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. You can try Worldview for free and get geopolitical updates and analysis by signing up for our free newsletter today at worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. 